Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere, where CEOs, leaders, and experts at building teams, companies, organizations, and amazing cultures share how to lead from anywhere in the world. I'm your co-host on the East Coast, Judy Bianco Mathis. And I'm your co-host on the West Coast, Mitch Simon. And we invite you to join us to Team Anywhere. On today's podcast, our amazing returning guest, Tracy Brower, a PhD sociologist and a principal with Steelcase Applied Resource and Consulting Group, and the author of a new book, The Secrets to Happiness at Work, does a deep dive on how to compel your talent to come to the office to strengthen culture, collaboration, and happiness. Welcome to another episode of Team Anywhere. I'm your co-host, Ginny Bianco Mathis on the East Coast, and I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Mitch Simon on the West Coast. Today, we are excited to have a return interview with Tracy Brower. Tracy Brower is a PhD sociologist and a principal with Steel Case Applied Resource and Consulting Group. Tracy studies the sociology of work and the changing nature of work, workers, and their workplace. She's the author of a new book, The Secrets to Happiness at Work, and also her previous book, Bring Work to Life by Bringing Life to Work. If they're not on your shelves, get them now. And in addition, she's a contributor to Forbes.com and Fast Company, an award-winning speaker, and has over 25 years of experience working with global clients to achieve business results. Now, you some of you may remember that previously on our program, Tracy discussed how to find opportunities for growth during the times of, of the epidemic, pandemic. And uh, today she's going to share her thoughts on changes necessary for bringing people back to work and the, and the varying dimensions of that. How is that even defined and how to get inspired to be more creative and happy? Welcome, Tracy. Thank you so much for having me. And especially thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. Well, you are everywhere now, okay? You're just everywhere. And we feel so fortunate to have pinned you down. So as already stated, uh, many leaders are creating dialogue and grappling with this whole challenges and opportunities of, of what it means to return to work. And in a recent article, you pointed out that given that there will be hybrid spaces where employers will be working, there needs to be even more special attention to making the office a magnet and destination for office space. Um, that, because it's sort of going to be this competing kind of thing, even for the individual, Right. So what kind of themes do you believe organizations need to consider? Yeah, such a great question. I think this is such an interesting time because we've been away. So we're thinking consciously about our work and our workplaces and our work process and why we work and with whom we work. And I think we're going to come into our offices with these new eyes and this new objectivity. And we're going to look around and say, oh, this place is pretty cool. I remember this. Or yeah, these colleagues, I, I really appreciate them and I've been missing them. Or, you know, this thing really did annoy me and it still annoys me. <laughs> so I think we have this moment to kind of refresh and reset. And I think 
we have so many companies talking about like, how do we get people back? You know, how do we develop guidelines to get them back? And we know we need to instead compel them back. And um, we know from our research that their steelcase research, this is not third party, but steelcase proper, um, that there are three things that really will bring people back most significantly. Leadership, presence and accessibility, um, opportunities for connection and coming together with our people and places that are stimulating and interesting. And I can talk more about that, but we know those are connected to a feeling of community. We know those are connected to organizational outcomes. So I think those are some of the places we could start. Oh, fantastic. And yes, we will get into those and wait for your wonderful examples. You also talk about three major areas of attention. Um, and, and one of the first is that people have new demands for cleanliness and safety, right? And, and comfortable spaces. So for that, what do you recommend? Bia? Yeah, I mean, if we think about safety, especially, well, if we back up, one of the things that we learned in our research is people have five sets of expectations. One is safety. Another is uh, belonging. A third is productivity. A fourth is comfort, a fifth is control. Not necessarily in that order, but those are kind of five areas. And so as you point to mm -hmm. safety, we know is going to be critical. And I think this is us as humans on the Maslow hierarchy, right? Like a lot of us have been bumped back down to the bottom of that Maslow hierarchy. And we know from our research that this issue of safety is going to continue to be important to people, even kind of after, quote unquote, if we ever, ever get to an after state. And, and yeah. safety will be about not just my physical safety and my physiological safety, but also psychological safety. And so I think it's about like creating spaces that are interesting and inspiring with subtle cues about distance or differences in the way that we circulate through the space potentially and space that helps us figure that out intuitively and spaces where teams can come together and we can develop trust or spaces where we can, um, you know, come together in one-on-one -on -one conversations potentially. So we're kind of developing that sense of psychological safety in small groups or in dyads, for example. So that idea of safety that you ask about, Ginny, has so many different layers. And I think it's something to really pay attention to. Oh, can you give some examples? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, like we have a customer and they, they did this really cool thing. They had a they have a um, really open work area and they implemented neighborhoods. So they want they wanted to go to less assigned space, but they still wanted people to have a sense of territory in their own space. And they still wanted people to be able to efficiently find one another. And so people go to a neighborhood that's assigned rather than a workstation that's assigned. And then within oh, the neighborhood, they put these like cool looking circles on the floor. Like that's the designer. That's the official designer way to describe it, right? Yeah, cool looking yeah. circles. And, you know, we all know now what that means. It's about social distancing if you want to have more distance. But it doesn't look cheesy. It doesn't look like, you know, please mm -hmm. keep your distance. It's It looks cool and it's integrated <laughs> into their aesthetic. So they've got the neighborhood for connection and they've got the kind of distancing cues in the environment. 
I love that. That's a one. And I, there's a phrase you use in one of your articles called alone together. Yes. <laughs> I thought that was just fantastic. Yeah. That's another that one, Jenny, where um, one company we were working with did the coolest thing. They have this like kind of like work cafe, cafeteria area. And it's a really cool area. It's got a lot of daylight. It's got a lot of like high ceilings and interesting accoutrements in the space. And people appreciate working there. Like I might sit at a table by myself mm-hmm. if I were an employee there. And I and there are other people kind of working in the area. So I don't feel like I'm all alone, even if I'm not working together with other people. And one of the things they found is they had less density in that space because people were coming in less. They're working more at home, some in the office, some at home. So they put together some like office hours. So like you could come and be alone together in this work cafe area between certain (laughs) hours and you could be there whenever you wanted. But it was suggested between these hours, especially so that you just felt like there was more buzz, more energy in the space during that time. Oh, oh, fat, you know, it's almost like duplicate Starbucks. <laughs> right, right. I, you mentioned cafe, coffee bar. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do. I do see that. Um, you know, I, I just I'm really I'm going back to our, our podcast um, with Barry Winkless, where he, he was talking about turning the, the workspace into an amusement park, you know, and, and not 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 a. Not not the uh, not the amusement parks that we you know went to little kids the ones that we, like the Disneyland's of and I really and I really see um, a lot of thought and a lot of planning and almost it's kind of like what I'm getting um, what I'm getting from this Tracy is is a mix between camp counselor and amusement park ah you know where where um, you know, or even, you know, facilitator camp counselor amusement park. So, you know, so, you know, this is, this is what's going on today. Um, and we're going to build it. We're not building it around. We're building a little bit around fun. We're also building a lot around productivity. So we've already set up that you're, you know, at this time you're going to meet with, with these three key people at that time, you're going to be meeting with the leader. Um, this other time, you know, we're going to be serving you lunch. Um, and, and it really, it really seems that the the head that you're coming with Tracy is, if uh, if I want massive productivity, um, I need to be extremely intentional about what that needs to look like. Um, I know there's one company. Um, I just got a text from him today. I was at his company, and they have a beautiful, beautiful, huge floor of of empty cubes. Oh yes, I've seen that. They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous, and they're you want to go in them. They're completely empty. There is nothing. You and I. I said to him, I, I said, you know, I was in your space uh, last week, and I, I could actually hear the blood pumping through my veins. <laughs> it was that quiet. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, and that, that those goes be- uh, beautifully into a question I actually had, Tracy. About you make the point that offices need to support, though, at the same time, the right kind of work. Yeah, exactly. Could you speak a yeah, little about exactly. that? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, kind of building on your points, Mitch, it's so, it's exactly true. Like there's some really beautiful research um, that demonstrates the power of emotional contagion. And I don't know if I can use that word anymore, contagion. I know that's a bad word. <laughs> but, but there is this <laughs> wonderful sociological concept of emotional contagion. 
And they found that when people were working next to others who were being productive and demonstrating energy around their task, they picked up on that, right? Like you pick up on that um, that energy in the space. And I think that common purpose too, like, like there's the bandwagon effect where we've shown up together. And so if things are too empty, what we may need to be thinking about is how do you manage the energy? And that's not just about the space. Yeah. The space is a big deal, but also it's about almost like a concierge kind of a thing, Mitch, to your point, right? Like, how do you bring people together? How do you do that in a really intentional way, both around social and around task? You know, like, what's what's my day at camp, um, to use your analogy, Mitch? And I think this is really interesting. I was um, I was uh, on a CEO forum not too long ago, and the CEO said, well, maybe we could just have everybody do their alone work at home and they can do all their collaborative work in the office. But we know from our research that some people um, have a home set up that's wonderful and helps with their productivity. Others have lots of distraction or don't have just the right setup. So I think what we're finding is we need to support five modes of work in the office. Focus, collaboration, learning, socializing, and rejuvenating. And some people may be able to get more of that done outside of the office. Some people may need the office to a greater extent. We are hearing through our research that more companies are planning to proportion more of their space toward collaboration and maybe somewhat less of their space toward focus work, but we still need all of those accommodated. And that, Jenny, is about performance, right? It's about productivity and performance in all the ways that we perform. Uh, I I love that point that for some people, the alone together is what they need to be productive. And the alone at home doesn't quite make Mm -hmm. it for them. That's an important distinction. You also talked about in the same section about places for rejuvenation and and daylight views. What did you mean? Yeah, oh my gosh. There's so much research about the connections between mental health, emotional health, cognitive health, happiness, joy, and nature. So the more we can have biophilic elements in the space, the better. Did you say biophilic? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is a kid's show. Know, Come on. I know, I know. So like <laughs> elements of nature, right? Like daylight, more daylight penetrating into more spaces, more views, um, fractals in the space. So like reflective surfaces or um, fractals in the texture, in the way that we treat color material and finish that remind Mm. us of the natural world or like opportunities for people to have prospect. Like I'm, I'm sitting in a workstation maybe, and I can see out and I have refuge. Maybe I've got, you know, some protection behind me. I don't feel like somebody's going to come up behind me or see my screen. Those kinds of elements are so helpful for people. So we have um, some customers who are really using their outdoor spaces to a greater extent, like just outside the door, right? Like a, um, you know, like a patio area is being increasingly used or using spaces that are even inside the building, but closer to windows and maybe adding some uh, informal um, furnishings there so that people can be close to those daylight and views. And yes. 
uh, also yes. a lot. Though. And so yeah. it attends to that like yeah. well-being and rejuvenation. And I can work, get work done in those spaces, you know. Right. And it, even to mundane things like I noticed wallpaper that has ferns, green ferns on it. And I said, that was delicious. Yes, there's a concept of abundance. Like when you have a lot of visual abundance, you tend to feel more joy. And so sometimes that looks like a busy wallpaper or a view to a busy outdoor area with, you know, plants and trees and things like that. Um, It tends to trigger in our brains a sense that there's enough. And that tends to give us this sense of happiness in turn. So that's pretty cool. It's kind of like. Oh, wow. Oh, that is really cool. Candy stores have become really popular where you walk in and it's like a wall of like colored jelly beans, right? That is drawing on that like abundance aesthetic. I love that analogy. I'm going to use that. I love it. Now, your like one of your final points was people also need this. an emphasis on development and leadership. What are some ideas uh, there that are working? Yeah, this is super interesting. So one of the things we found in our Steelcase research is that when leaders were more present and accessible, people tended to want to be in those spaces more, right? Like we all want to rub elbows mm. with leaders, which we never knew that would be such an apt phrase, right? But we want that because we want a sense of purpose and we want a sense of business context and we want to ask a question or we want to be on the radar screen. We want to, you know, be recognized. Um, We are working with a customer and they have put in more leadership space that's more centrally located. So people can, you know, come and like check in and chat with the leader or ask a question. Um, They've made their leadership meeting spaces and enclaves more transparent. So even if the leader's in a meeting and needs acoustical privacy, for example, you can still see that that leader is there and kind of feel that sense of presence together. Yes. Sort of like leader leadership in the round. That's a great way to say it. (laughs) Again, you've mentioned um, purpose a couple of times, and that's a big word um, for us leadership peoples. <laughs> it sounds it sounds um, it sounds like if we would have if we would have had this practice five years ago, you know, you know, you should you should definitely make sure that people's work is purposeful. Okay, thank you. Got that. Now you're saying, um, okay, now in order to get people working together. We, we need to restructure our work environment in a purposeful manner. And, and I'm just wondering, for most people, that's, well, gosh, that's a nice idea, but it sounds like, how would I do that? And so I'm just, you know, and you're, you know, I'm hearing you say, well, one of the things is, one of the things is, you know, you as a leader would put yourself in the, in the center. Um, you would make yourself more available. Um, I'm just wondering, like, what are the questions you would ask yourself to actually make your workspace more purposeful given this current um, pandemic we're going through? Yeah, it's a great point. We need to be purposeful about purpose um, and about designing for purpose, (laughs) right? So you said, what are the questions you would ask yourself? And I I think one of the things that's critical is for us to ask ourselves, who are our customers and our stakeholders? And how do we make them evident in the space? Um, So we have one customer who has um, established personas. 
So they've done collaborative work with the team to figure out who are the key personas that they serve, um, who represent like an end user or a different type of stakeholder in their business. And so they have like posters up in their space of those personas. Or, um, you know, like, like you see, I think you see a lot of like visual imagery a lot of times about like the kinds of products and how our customers are using those. Those are pretty cool in the space to remind us. Um, we've got one customer who does this. You said leadership in the round, Ginny. They actually do like a customer in the round where they have this round theater and they have um, people who have benefited from their medical products come and tell their story. And so that's pretty powerful. Um, there's another oh, customer that we work with and they do this very cool thing. They have a, a wall of like recognition and they post um, on an ongoing basis feedback from customers, um, both corrective feedback and even more appreciative and recognizing kind of feedback. So I think one of the questions to your point, Mitch, is who are the customers, who are our stakeholders and how are we serving them? So we can make that evident. I think another yeah, it seems to it seems to me that the the way, the way you would take it further is you would say, well, what would be purposeful would be serving our customers. So on Tuesday, we're going to bring in the customer. Now the question would be, well, well, why don't you zoom in the customer? What you could do. What you could do. Um, and you know, I'm just trying to figure out, well, what? How could you make it, you know, even more important that people actually arrive? And I guess what you could do is you could say, hey, we're going to bring in the customer and then we're going to be have these, having these dyads and triads and quiads or whatever. Yes. Um, and, and lunch and outside. I'm just I'm just seeing like. Yeah, the, yeah this whole the, event. Yeah, this podcast, like all office properties in San Diego have just gone up like 25% <laughs> and all of them like in the Alberta have gone down, you know, the outside areas in January. Uh, but but just um, just to really make. You know, um, as we we had Caroline Melly on on our podcast, is is to make events, right? You you know, what event are we going to create that will be um, um, coordinated with our purpose? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I yeah. think we know that that's correlated with happiness too, right? Like when we really feel like we're making a contribution to something that matters, and and we can give people that line of sight to their purpose. That's really, that's a big deal, right? And I think another question we want to ask ourselves if we're being purposeful is to really think about the work and the the value chain, right? Like how does my work serve your work, serve his work, serve their work, serve the customer? So that we have that really clear, that really clear connection. And, and both the space and the norms in the organization support us regularly coming together to talk about what's working well or less well, to talk about, yes. you know, how my work can be improved. I think we, um, in our, in our kind of, um, North American culture, we tend to do not plan, do, check, act, but do act, do act, do act, right? Like we don't take a lot of time always to, reflect or to be intentional. And I think that's really helpful. Like, what are we learning? How well are we doing together? How can we do even better together? Um, and that gives us that sense of belonging. It gives us that sense of mm-hmm. importance to each other. It gives us that sense of learning and improvement. Ginny, to the point you were making earlier, the idea of development and stretch are also utterly correlated with happiness. And so I think that... and. It- no, that perfect, perfect. And uh, 
we're talking about consequently creating the space, both physical and mental. It could be on a Zoom, but there is this space at this time where we are going to reflect. And that, I think, is something that has been thrown out there that has also emerged in a more structured way during these times. Since reflection and getting people's ideas just on how we're going to go back to work is top of mind. It's it's forced it. I love it. Well, this gets to your favorite um, discussion point and one of ours, and that's happiness, happiness at work. And you talked about how mental health and well-being from the different studies um, enhance creative pursuits, creates positive emotions, creates blood flow through the brain. I mean, it's just all, you know, connected. And you even kind of come up with several concrete examples of how to, to do that. Could you share those? They're just Yeah, great. absolutely. I, I mean, I think there's this really wonderful reciprocal relationship, like you were saying, between creativity and happiness. When we are expressing creativity, we tend to be happier. And when we're happier, we actually tend to express more creativity. And so I think like one of the things is we can kind of create judgment-free zones. Like we are our own worst critics, right? And so this idea of like, how do you give yourself space to just do the silly thing, just do the thing that you're not sure you can do, kind of venture out and be bad at, bad, quote unquote, right? Like that's a judgment in itself. Um, venture out and do something that is outside of your comfort zone. And so I think we can create those zones yeah. for ourselves in mentally. And then we can also kind of foster those relationships that give us that opportunity, right? Like the person who sees us in the way that we want to be, um, the person that we can have coffee with that tends to be the one to say, yeah, you should try that. Yeah, you're so good at that, right? Like they're that cheerleader personality. We also need people in our lives who can be the critics and, you know, kind of tell us if we have spinach in our teeth. Um, but we also need those cheerleaders. So I think that judgment-free zone can be our own zone that we can create. And it can be a zone that we create with each other or with a small group where we're motivating each other and pushing each other and stretching. Uh, yeah, that's wonderful. Um, the um, going now to the neurological patterns and, and creating those experience of awe, you know, that sort of goes back to what Mitch was saying about these events. What are good examples have you seen of that? Yeah, this experience of awe is so interesting. So the experience of awe is about when you feel like you're a small part of something that's so big and awesome. And you can get that frequently. You get that in nature. We were talking about nature. Frequently you get that when you're looking at a sunset or you're looking at an ocean or you're looking at a beautiful tree or something along that line. Um, you can also get it when you're, um, when you're, for example, with a baby or a puppy, they tend to spur those awesome yes. experiences. Yes. And, and what happens to us neurologically is we tend to see more blood flow um, in in um, the parts of our brain that that tend to be less about executive function, right? Executive function is focus, prioritize, decide, you know, really, really kind of um, organize our lives. And awe tends to take the blood flow out of those regions of the brain and tends to spread it 
um, more. In fact, you see mm. more blood flow even between the hemispheres of the brain when people are in states of awe. So that's like super interesting. There's a um, uh, there's a terrific book I'm reading right now called You Are the Placebo that talks about how our brains are wired into our physical health and that blood flow in the brain and how that shifts when we're having those moments of awe and appreciation. And gratitude is part of that as well. Like you can get more of those feelings of awe when you feel grateful in a conscious way. That's important to us because we want to empower ourselves to feel good more of the time. And we want work to be an experience where we feel like we're able to bring our best and make our best contribution. And so when you can have those feelings of mattering, when you can have those feelings of contributing to a colleague and, you know, rolling up sleeves and doing a project together, when you can have those feelings of, um, you know, really, um, feeling like your talents have been really stretched and like you've grown through an opportunity. Those are the kinds of things that tend to go along with that feeling of awe. And it goes all the way around to what Mitch was saying. When you can create an event, now you're part of something bigger. However, creating those stories about the customer, creating the story about this whole project from beginning to end and Making that an event where, oh, thank God that project is over. But now if I'm being, if it's twisted and it's shown in a video or something, I now can feel that. Yeah, it's a great point. And all the, and stories, stories tend to light up about seven parts of our brain versus if you hear hear a fact, right? You just kind of hear that and it's processed in your brain. We, we have another customer and they have this, they have this beautiful courtyard and they have this cart And this cart is like an artifact for celebration and storytelling. So sometimes they wheel out the cart and it's because it's a a baby shower. Somebody's having a baby and, you know, they're going to celebrate that. Or sometimes they wheel out the cart as a postmortem and, you know, tell stories about what could have gone better um, in terms of a customer experience. And they have a, you know, they have a beer at the same time. Sometimes they wheel out the cart as like a lunch kind of exchange where they're honoring somebody who's had many years of service and they tell stories about that person and funny things that have happened during their career. I mean, we've all heard lots of variations of this, but the cool thing about it is that there's this cart that kind of spurs you. It's like this artifact. It's like this, it's like this Uh trigger, like, Oh, there's something special happening. And to your point, Jenny, they're telling stories which tend to engage us emotionally. They tend to help us remember. They tend to make it more of a whole brain experience. So the storytelling, the gratitude, the event, and those things can be done in an office or virtually hybrid, and they're free. I mean, they're just new tools that we need to bring to the party. Yeah, what I what I see, um, this is perhaps one of our best podcasts, Um and because what I what I see here is, you know, we um, so, you know, with Caroline, where we, you know, she and I have worked on a, a document called bringing back the buzz dot com where where we're really where we're really focused on how to plan an event. You have um, you, Tracy. Well, you're a doctor, Tracy. So at, at 
you know, what you've done is you've really said, hey, company owners, company managers, if you want to really have your people actually come back to the office, then, you know, first of all, you, you need to get very clear on um, the purpose of your company and, and its purpose as it impacts both the, its cl- the, your clients and, and your, your real customers are, are your employees. And what you really want to do is you want to structure the, um, the calendar um, to have places, have, have um, events, mini events. So we're going to have, you know, growth events, which you, and there will be something significant about it, that it will be, it will need to be in person, um, gratitude events, um, mm-hmm. empowerment events, empathy mm-hmm. events, um, celebration events, learning events, acknowledgement events. Um, I was talking, I, I wrote back, I wrote down uh, feedback Fridays, right? Yeah. So, you know, yeah. We're, you know, feedback Fridays is where we're going to all get together and we're going to get really real and say, Hey, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't see you Monday through Thursday, but let me tell you what was amazing. You didn't see me, but when you did that, that was incredible. When you did that, that was incredible. When you did that, that was incredible. And if I could just give feedback to you and or the whole team, you know, this is how um, we really should um, maybe look at the next week or the next two weeks. And look what you're doing by creating those spaces. You are creating in the culture permission and acceptance for that to be a regular thing. Yeah, I love the way um, Ginny, uh, well, Ginny's brilliant too. Um, I love the way that, you know, she says creating spaces because spaces, I'm sure, Tracy, for you means so many things. Yes, exactly. Yeah, You're creating yeah. space both literally and figuratively. You're creating culture that embraces these kinds of things. You're creating containers for these things. Um, there was a Yes, that, I love containers. Yes, exactly. Container's There's a leader that um, we worked with, and he did this cheesy thing. It seems so cheesy, and it so worked. But he did this thing where he bought lots and lots of, like, thank you cards, and then he had the team get together, like, once every six months or so, and everybody would write a a note of thanks to the other team members. And it seemed at first, it seemed really mechanistic and like, really, you're going to make me write a thank you. But the cool (laughs) thing was it, it, it created the space or the container for people to mine what they really appreciated about others and put that in writing. So it's kind of to your point, Mitch, like a gratitude event Mm -hmm. or um, Mm -hmm. we know of lots of teams, you know, there's so many agile teams today, but even if you're not officially agile, you can adapt some of those methodologies. So like one team picks a metaphor um, for a period of time. So the metaphor might be like, I'm in an airplane and what are the things that gave me lift or what were the things that were headwinds or I'm in a boat and what are the things that were, um, you know, waves against the bow holding me back versus uh, um, air in my sails, helping me to move forward. And so regularly they do this feedback session for themselves. Like, okay, what was the wind in our sails this week? What was the, you know, what were the waves against the bow this week? Right. And they, they use a metaphor so that they can think differently. It's just a trigger to think just a little differently. And it focuses them on, on feedback, which tends to build trust because it's more openness and it's more sharing and more vulnerability. And it focuses them on learning and the future and how they can get better. So I think those kinds of things can be really useful as regular rituals, regular things that we intentionally do together. I love that word too. 
spaces, containers, rituals. Tracy, we could talk forever. How can people get yeah, in touch with Thank you. I'm glad you asked. Yeah, so steelcase.com, we've got tons and tons of information. Uh, TracyBrower.com, I've got all my publications there, as well as links to the Secrets to Happiness at Work. Um, Secrets to Happiness at Work is also available on uh, um, Amazon, Target, Barnes & Noble, any any outlet, it's, it's there for you. So um, I'm glad you asked. Thanks for asking. You're going to hear, I think, from some listeners. Oh, I know, I know, because they're just the ideas are just yeah, yeah, so much. So Mitch, well, yeah, let's take it out. Hey, uh, Dr. Tracy Brower, it's it's been fantastic. Um, thank you again. Um, I love the fact that you're you're in the trenches um, with the research, which mm-hmm. things things that are changing, um, which is so refreshing. And you've got so many really great ideas that I think we could expound on forever. But we don't have that time. So, um, so if you if you are a listener and you just love this podcast, please, um, you know, give us five stars. Share this with your friends, colleagues, your you know your partners, your German shepherds. I mean, this is this has been a really really great, um, really really great resource. Um, and we look forward to seeing you next week on our next our next exciting episode of Team Anywhere. 